0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to part two of maybe my favorite episode yet, honestly. I, I, or as far as, like, I just, I'm feeling I'm feeling very encouraged, very motivated, and it's all thanks to our friend, Humble the Poet. Are you allowed to say that, though? Because we shot with somebody else, and I think you're supposed to say that one's your favorite.
1: He's allowed to say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. But No, seriously,
0: this one is, like, 100%. And I've missed you. We haven't, I haven't hung out, like, when's the last time you saw him?
1: Um... It's been a year at least. No, no, for me. when did I see Humble last? Cuz there's so many times where we randomly saw each other. He came to visit one time when I was in Jersey alone. Um, Humble, when's the last time I saw you?
2: I feel that I'm not sure if I saw you in LA. Did I see you in LA? I don't think you were in when LA. When was the last right? time you were here? Right before We all pandemic. saw each other right at before. your old
1: house. Yeah, Studio City. I was right? I was
2: 2 days away from like I got my visa and I was apartment hunting. I was 2 days I was in Utah for an event. And I was gonna fly mm-hmm. into LA and start apartment hunting, and then the pandemic hit.
1: Best <sighs> thing that could have ever happened to yeah, you. I got I got my LA. visa. I got my
2: <laughs> US visa on March first. I had some gigs, and then on March thirteenth, I was in Utah. The next day, I was flying to LA, and then everything got canceled. Mm,
0: crazy. So, what? do you think you'd ever move to LA? Just qu- sorry, a question.
2: Yeah, hundred percent.
0: Yeah. Thank you. <sighs> But would you not imagine having this like with it's you It's not all? about I'm not gonna be <laughs>
1: selfish and say I want him here. I just don't think it's the right environment for a person like home, Hey, but I don't He think... said
0: that when he lived in LA, it was a big part of your life, right?
2: Again, it, I, I do like that I do like that quote, LA is undefeated and I'm not lost on, on the impact that LA can have on people. But we also have some control over it. So again, I have mm-hmm. You guys, I have good friends in L.A. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think you'd get lost in the sauce at all.
2: I just no, we all do, man. It, we all if I got lost in, the, we all get lost in the sauce. On yeah. Some
1: level. Well, but b- before we get into this, we ended episode one asking you a question. Can we dive into episode two with you answering that question? Yeah. Do you remember you, what the question was? Yeah, you
2: asked about you know getting attention on social media, um, talking about you know what people think is expected of you to get attention on social media. Uh, what I would say to people who are new and trying to get into social media, um, mm-hmm. and also the idea of spamming and all of that. Um, and uh, and the idea that I said I was going to leave social media. Oh, yeah, well. and
0: is it possible to do social media while still keeping that happy lifestyle, yeah. like that personal, like, separating them?
2: Completely, yeah. So what I can say is, um, no, <laughs> you can't. Social, social media, is this, this, this is this is this is still mcdonald's french fries this is not good for you i'm so
1: glad you said that it, it's cheap i like stale mcdonald's <laughs> <I'm
2: laughs> yeah joking. no we all do you know what i mean like it's cheap it's easy it's quick but you, you have enough of it it's gonna take a toll on you none of us mm-hmm. are the exception to the rule it's not a discipline thing it's not a mindset thing this is addictive potato chips that all of us it's been designed <laughs> it's been designed to keep us hooked on this stuff um it has definitely done some super cool things. It, it's killed the gatekeepers. It's made people uh, who have a lot of ideas and, and problem-solving abilities and creativity to get noticed. Um, but it's changing, and the direction it's changing is not in a healthy place. Years and years and years and years ago, I look at you guys as like Generation 2 YouTubers. Generation 1 was like the Harleys and the General Marbles and stuff like that. These guys were dropping one video a week, and having careers and, and living in beautiful homes and doing dope stuff. And then the Generation 2 came in, the Lilies, the Alex, the Aaron's, the fusis And it was like maybe two videos, maybe three videos a week. And now it's just gone where people are dropping two, three videos a day. And we're all fighting in this wow. attention economy. It's all about trying to get attention. But I think the big thing we're not realizing is, and the big reason people have burnout is because you're always playing catch-up and you're always assuming people are in control. The truth of the matter is there's an almighty algorithm. None of us know what it does. It continually changes. It's going to continually change. And we're trying our best to keep up with it. And then when we can't keep up with it, we tell ourselves horrible stories like people hate me. People don't like my stuff anymore. I remember back in the days on Facebook, when I first, first, first wrote my book, I had 60,000 followers on Facebook. When I put a message out, 40,000 people saw it. You know what I mean? Like,
1: Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Now I have hundreds of thousands of people on Facebook and like 18 people see it. That's an algorithm. People, people don't hate me. I know people don't hate me. It's an algorithm. And when we're trying to get attention and we're fighting against code, we're not fighting against people. We're not fighting against each other. We're fighting against coding. And that coding is only designed to keep people on. You know, Instagram, YouTube will always reward you for putting a lot of content on because you're con- that means people are staying on the platform. They just want people to stay on the platform. They just want people watching YouTube all day. They want people scrolling through Instagram all day. That We're not robots. We're not machines. We're creatures. No other creature works like this. Every other creature eats, sleeps, and has sex. That's their life. You know? And then when they're not doing that, they're napping. That's not humans. We're just constantly acting like we're robots. Working, 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 working. working not getting enough sleep. Depending on different chemicals, whether it's caffeine, whether it's a Red Bull, whether it's, you know, all this other stuff, just to just to keep our eyes open during the day. And then we wonder why we get burnt out because we think, oh, maybe my, my video wasn't smart enough. Maybe I didn't, you know, use a clickbaity enough title. But the, at the end of the day, think about what it was five years ago. Think about what it was five years before. Predict what it's going to look like five years from now. Mm-hmm. You know, and now they're rewarding. I view. could
1: have a whole episode with you about. My feelings towards social media and like I'll be, I'll be honest, man, like I want to use my platform as a way to like here's what I've noticed. the post that should do well and have the most impact, like today I posted a thing on my Habibi's channel about two Syri- Syrian refugees mm-hmm. achieving their American dream It's probably going to be the least viewed video. should be the most viewed video.
2: Why that's
1: just the way it goes. Why? There's no drama. So
2: why should it be the most viewed video?
1: If we're talking about what has the most substance of level of like the importance, like the values learned in it, like, for example, I could post a video with those same two Syrian refugees, get into drama, get into a fight on the street, have something stolen, post that, get that a million views. But why doesn't their life story about
2: social media? That's people. Why are there more but people that, staring at car accidents than staring in museums? That's that's
1: 100% a problem. But what, what I'm getting to is I'm in a position at 31 years old where, one, when Instagram disabled likes, it was the happiest day of my life. Because I was like, I'm going to start posting five times a day because no longer are people going to have a perception of is Fousey popping based on the amount of likes he gets. Why I still have that stigma and <laughs> I, thought on my I, head I at 31, see, I freaking hate it. I can see
2: your likes. I hate it. <laughs> two. Welcome he got two, so excited
1: when it happened. Like today, today, I want to post the thing on Instagram about a story about people are going to kick you when you're down. People are going to kick you when you're up. They're always going to kick you. So that's why you got to keep going forward and not worry about who's kicking you. But I'm in a struggle. Even when I was driving here. What time should I post it? Is the algorithm gonna pick it up? What picture did I post this week? Da, da, da. And I freaking hate that. Yeah. I can't be my authentic self and give the gift that I feel that I have to the world because of this damn algorithm and because of this damn perception of what it does to you. Your likes being down, your views being down, everything like that. Me having 3.5 million followers on Instagram knowing that not even 10,000 of them are being shown what I'm, it's like, I'm sick of this game. I'm tired of it. As a creator, I'm tired of it. And I got asked by Aaron on a personal level, then why do you do it? And I was like, because in order for me to get, this is the industry that I chose. And when I chose this industry, it wasn't like this one. It's changed, like you said, and it's going to get even worse in the next five years. But in order for me to get to the position I want to get to, which one day hopefully is to be able to find a way to be able to have my voice heard without having to be a slave to social media, I have to play this game and I have to do this. But I hate that me even at 31, if me at 31 has these perceptions of... My likes aren't enough, people are going to think I'm not popping. Nobody heard this, yada, yada. Imagine the 18year- olds, the 19 year- olds, the 13 year- olds and everybody else and what it does to them at such a young age, and what it does to their ego. It's sickening and I hate it. Yeah. I get it, and this is just me venting on a side topic, but it's so frustrating because mm-hmm. I can't be myself on social media anymore. But here's the I can't thing. post.
2: Here's what you got to ask yourself, how expensive is it not to be yourself? because it goes back to that same idea it's like not getting sleep so then drinking a bunch of coffee to stay awake because you didn't get enough sleep and now you're you know you're, you're chipping you're creating cortisol you're, you're chipping away at yourself it's the same idea so many of us are do not have peace like you know, peace isn't meditating in the forest and running away from everybody peace can simply be being able to be your authentic self and owning the idea of like yo this you know these are the friends i can't be around because they don't let me be my authentic self these are the platforms i can't be around because they don't let me be authentic self and and the other thing that you said and i think this is super important especially for younger kids these ain't your platform they ain't your subscribers they ain't your followers okay ask donald trump where does 80 million followers go they ain't his they press the button and they're gone so this isn't, this isn't ours. None of this is ours. And we're working so hard to build this, and then it's gonna get taken away by an algorithm change. Or maybe you might get on the CEO's bad side and, and that stuff gets taken away. This is not protected by the government in terms of free speech. These are private companies that created platforms that you're using. And you're participating in building their platform. You're not participating in building your platform. And they have a bottom line. And at the end of the day, The writing was on the wall when Facebook came out. Facebook already showed us what the the scheme was. gave everybody a whole bunch of free attention, get them addicted, and then slowly take the attention away. And the ones that need the attention will buy our ads. Then Instagram did it. Now, TikTok's the quickest one you can grow on, or Clubhouse is the quickest one you can grow on. Yeah, cool, but we know what's gonna happen. They're gonna take it away. And this was something that I was recognizing, and I was like, yo, there's no point in playing this game. There's no point, in, and the other problem, too, was even a guy like me, who is extremely grateful and extremely fortunate. You know, I have half a million followers, and I don't even post pictures of myself. I can exist, I get to share what's in my head on Instagram. Even that, every time I go on Instagram, and I don't, and I don't even have social media on my phone. Like, I use, I have a separate phone for social media. So when the world was open, when I leave the house, no access to social media. I was still feeling the negative impact of it. When I had to like go on just to make sure my post went up correctly, another 20 minutes go by just thumbing your stuff. And every time you go on social media, by default, you're seeing people that are making you identify gaps in your own life. And the problem is these gaps aren't even real. They're just gonna make you think what you think. Now Fusi bought a new car. I'm gonna think about, did I buy a new car? Do I need to get a new car? Maybe Aaron got into Bitcoin. Shoot, I gotta get into Bitcoin. Oh, these guys started a podcast. Maybe I need to start a podcast. Oh, look at that couple, hashtag couple goes. Oh shoot, is my relationship good? Do I need to find a girlfriend? What's going on with that? Oh, so-and-so just did a, did, you know, did a project with HBO Max. Do I need to get off and plug in with the majors? And it's just never ending. And none of us are immune to this. So the thing is, we're playing this game at the expense of our authentic self, and it's chipping away at us. It's creating dis-ease. Disease, it's creating disease. We don't get to be ourselves. Okay, So it's already messing with us, plus the rewards of playing this game are slowly going away. So you're showing up to work every single day at the expense of your health, your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health, your financial health. And at the same time, the rewards you were getting five years ago for putting up content is not even there anymore.
1: You know what? Going off of that, a uh, question that just arose in my head by you saying that, right? So... I'm not going to lie. I feel a sense of euphoria and whatever the, the dopamine rise and whatever when a post of mine does good. When it actually hits the algorithm. Oh, shit. My TikTok got a million views in 24 hours. My post just got 60,000 likes. But is that actually a reward? Because if I post a post that doesn't hit the algorithm and it gets 14,000 views or whatever and then I feel depressed, I'm not good enough, people don't like me, da 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 Why don't I feel the, like, what is that reward that getting that high engagement gives me? How do they trick us into believing that the more likes we get, the more engagement we get, the more important we are, and the more special we are as people? Why is that classified as an award? And I'm asking this.
2: That's how we've been for 10, 20,000 years. So if you think about how was a human living 5,000 years ago, no matter where they were in the world, they were probably living in a small village, maybe 50, 60 people, Right. And the number one thing was you have to cooperate. Because if you didn't cooperate in that village, they kick you out. If they kick you out of the community, what happens? You die. Thousands of years going by of you understanding that rejection from the community means death, it feels like death. It's the same feeling that somebody puts a gun to your head. Now, fast forward to where we are now, that feeling is still there. There's a dude named Peter Krohn, he describes it perfectly. He's like, you, when you buy a new phone, it already comes preloaded with apps. There's already apps on the phone. As humans, we're already preloaded with these apps that no longer serve their purpose. And the main ones are fear of rejection and paranoia. 5,000 years ago, paranoia kept us from getting eaten by a saber-toothed tiger or any other predator. 5,000 years ago, the fear of rejection, shoot, 500 years ago, 100 years ago for many of us who are children of immigrants, that fear of rejection kept us participating in the community but now we don't we live in places where we're not in immediate danger but those fears and that programming is still there so the idea of being afraid of rejection and it's not just being everybody hates me it's the same reason it's so hard to say no to people somebody asks you for a favor and you just don't want to say no because you don't want to seem unkind because that triggers that idea of i'm not going along with what people want and that makes me feel like i'm going to be rejected because for thousands of years that meant death what these guys have done is they've taken that bio- biology and they've put it into an app, which is when people approve of me, I feel good. When people don't approve of me, I feel bad. We've always had this, even before social media, but now social media has given it an exact number. Social media has made it an exact science. Back when you guys were in middle school, you guys knew who the most popular kid in the, in the class was. Now there's an exact number showing who's the most popular who's got the most followers. They've just taken it and they've just put it on crack and they put it to a high level and it's exploiting. It's exploiting our human... It, it, but it's no different than junk food. They understand that like you can't just eat one potato chip.
1: You know what the saddest thing is and I want your opinion on it? Genuinely, I yeah. want your opinion. Like, Forget this podcast or anything. I just want your opinion. I know. I know. I know as a person... As a human, I would be much happier on this earth on a daily basis if I did not have a Twitter account, if I did not have an Instagram account, if I did not have a TikTok account, if I did not have a YouTube account. Now, I also know in order for me to gain any income in this life, based on the life that I chose and have put myself in, in order to get an income and live a life, I have to have them and I have to do them Even though it comes at a cost of so much unhappiness and uncertainty and depression and anxiety and everything else it causes for my life. So going off of what Aaron said, how do I, what do I do? How do I escape this mental prison that I'm in of having to be on these platforms? And now you might ask me, well, then why are you on these platforms? Well, at the end of the day... I want to get to a point where I can use my voice just as you're using yours to educate us now to help people through my struggles and what I've gone through and be able to use my voice to help people, you know, live better lives. But I can't do that without social media. So what the hell do I
0: do? Um, Can I just say one? So the one thing I have been telling everyone who's been asking this stuff, and I've wanted to let you know what I've been saying to make sure that I'm not saying the wrong thing. Um, and I was like, honestly, like at the end of the day, it's just like, not everyone's going to like you and you need to just start appreciating the small victories. Like, yeah, your view or your picture doesn't get like a hundred thousand views, but it gets 10,000, but like, gets like a hundred comments. Why not give those a hundred comments the same attention you would give those like 10,000 comments, if that makes sense. I was like, why not enjoy those, like that one person you're helping versus looking at the whole picture of not hitting 100,000, 200,000, a million and you're hitting 1,000 people, 100 people like you're still making a difference in those individuals and I know it doesn't account to anything as far as like money like you're not going to make like a crazy amount of you're not going to make the same amount of money that you make with a post that has 1,000 uh, a million likes versus one no. The- i'm not making money regardless
1: there's no brand deals coming in there's no view like i don't get paid off ig or any of that but it's me just knowing that i would be much happier off social media mm-hmm. i know i would but, but without you- social media i don't have a career but do you think you'd be happier if you stopped caring about those
0: big numbers and i'm not saying that you no, no are. no because there's
1: so much more that like that just instagram and twitter and everything brings aside from the likes of what i get from my posts, like even scrolling like he said scrolling and then looking at a thousand different people's lives and being like i don't have this i don't have that i should have this i should have that the 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 messages that people send me the comments that people leave me like there's so much more i can spend hours to talk about why it makes my life so not fruitful it's not just the engagement. That's just one little leaf on the tree. What if you stopped
0: giving the negative comments, negative messages? I know, but you said that you're that kind of person.
1: Yeah, it's like when people tell me when I bring up a traumatic experience happened in my past and they go, dude, get past that. Like, you can't tell somebody to just get past that because their mind processes things differently. If I could, like, my brother's been asking me that for years. He's been telling me, yo, why the hell, when I used to make money, why the hell do you care about what this hater's saying if you're making money off them watching? And I was like, because that's how my brain operates. If I could do what you're saying, just let go, stop caring, mm-hmm. le- I would do it. I can. In school, were you the kind of like, if somebody didn't like you,
0: how, how would you treat that? Just curiosity. Like in high school or middle school, if like someone was like, I don't like you. Well,
1: would that affect you or would you like – how would you process that whole situation? It's different because if somebody didn't like me in my personal life, there was a reason because they know me on a personal level and there's a reason as to why they don't like me. Whereas on social media, if somebody's sending me a very hateful message, they don't know me. They don't know my story. They've never walked a mile in my shoes. They're going based off what they've seen on the internet. They're judging me based on who I was five years ago. There's a lot of different interpretations to Mm. that. But me, I'm just saying like – I don't like it like I don't I love what I do I love this podcast right now Mm -hmm. I love it I love it I love this conversation we're having but just the game that you have to play to be in this industry how do you get out of the jail and still be able to play a humble how have you done it so like I don't know you might tell me like yo I'm still in the same boat I still go through my struggles but how do I just progress how do we progress how do we stop caring
2: yeah, no, I mean, again, I'm, I'm dealing with it just as like you guys are, maybe at different scales and stuff, but I think, hey, we just, we gotta stop living in the hyperboles. So it's not an all or nothing. So it's not like, you know, we have to be realistic. Social media is here to stay. It's gonna stay. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be like, be on social media and be all in and read all the comments versus don't be on social media. Go live in the mountains and meditate. It could be, you know, a mixture of something in the middle. So I'm, I, and I want to equate it to something that might be, uh, A little bit normal like where it's like okay hey if i keep doing heavy weights at the gym this is going to like chip away at the cartilage in my knee so when i'm 60 years old it's going to be harder to walk you know something that you guys can understand you know the more you work out the more you cause different problems at the same time you're also getting in shape for now you know and it may it may take a toll on you later um it's just a part of the game or it's like if i want to live in a major city you you know i live in uh, toronto you guys live in los angeles the air isn't cleaner Right Versus if you guys lived in Kansas or Montana, the air is cleaner. You guys are probably, you know, living in a major city probably takes off a year or two off of our lives. It's like smoking a pack of cigarettes a day going outside. So at the end of the day, there's always these trade-offs that we all have to make. right? And with social media, I think step number one is, first, don't justify its existence. Recognize it's a pack of cigarettes. It's not good for you. Now, what can we do? There's so many options. So option number one, if we're going from, from what fusi's dealing with, A, so you can outsource your social media. And what I mean is, for example, I got an assistant. I write my captions, I I, I take my quote, I write my captions, I email them to her. She uploads them.
1: So you don't even see how it does?
2: I don't see how it does unless I go on social media, which I rarely do, and again, it's a separate phone. So even right now, like when Aaron was messaging me about this, he's hitting me on Instagram, and I'm like, this guy's got my number. If I wasn't home, I wouldn't see those messages. Pandemic, it doesn't really matter that I have two phones, but in the regular world, I've been doing this for about three years. When I leave the house, I have no access to social media. That doesn't mean I'm never staring at my phone. When I'm waiting around, I end up checking Google or or reading the news or some other distraction. I'm still a human being. That's one thing you can do. It's reducing, you know, it's like wearing a knee brace or something. You're reducing its impact. Another thing you can do, irrespective of how your brain works, There's a button that lets you shut down the comments where they don't even come before. They don't even they don't even arrive. That's an an option. I'm not telling you to do it, but it's an option that will have an impact. We can make excuses as to why that would impact engagement. Do this, do that. But the truth of the matter is (laughs) impact engagement is already impacted. We're already falling down the slope. That stuff's happening. Also, another one I was going to bring up, too, is there's also different audiences. The, per- the person watching TikTok videos who can only consume six seconds, eight seconds, one minute of content is generally not the same person listening to an hour podcast. There's different people. The world is massive and diverse. That's the other one. And the other one that, that, that I was going to talk about for why, because I, I had your feeling. I'm like, I'm leaving this. I'm quitting. And I announced it. I said, I'm going to do it in a year, not on some clickbaity stuff, as in I'm going to figure out what my world will look like a year from now. And then a friend of mine called, who's in the space, um, not an influencer, is the CEO of another influencer's company. And he said, your work is too important to abandon people on social media. Be the solution to your problem. So I was like, okay, well, what's the solution to my problem? The solution to my problem is my beef is with the platforms, what they put out there, human nature, as we said, like, if me and you put a clickbaity video pretending to get in a fist fight, more people will watch it than if we put up a thumbnail of us hugging. That's human nature. That's not social media. That's That was happening 100 years ago. So I was like, okay, I want to create an environment where that's not the case. So I started my own community. I have my own social media community now. Humblethepoet.com slash community. And it is, I, I shit you not, boys, go on it when you guys can. It is the calmest, kindest, Friendliest place you've ever seen. Okay. It's, it's calmer, kinder, and nicer than I am. Okay. People, <laughs> and the reason I know this is because obviously f- for the work that I do, a lot of people hit me up with their problems. And I grew up, I grew up in a suck it up household. I grew up in a like, yo, suck it up if you have a problem. That's not the most empathetic way to look at things. So sometimes people will post in, in, in the community problems they have, and I'll catch myself wanting to roll my eyes. But then I'll read the replies. And people will reply the kindest, most empathetic, most heartwarming things to these people. And it's making me a better person. Now, in terms of the size, you know, we're approaching 10,000 followers. So A, from a mental health standpoint, this is much better. And I'm the supreme creator of it. So if one or two trolls come in, delete, permanently ban, IP address. You're never coming back. So I'm curating this place. It's my space my community, my platform. Number 2, which I think is really important from a for us guys who are working on this, niche is the new world. We grew up with mainstream celebrities. We grew up with the biggest rapper, the biggest movie star. But we all live in niche worlds now where, you know, there are people who can have 5 million subscribers on YouTube walk down the street and nobody recognizes them in their own city. It's the same idea and I learned this from my buddy Jesse Isler. Who is uh, his wife owns Spanks and he owns the Atlanta Hawks. And he explained that most of he made most of his money from selling important things to a few people, not one thing to a lot of people. And it's creating this creating your community of stuff that you care about, offering them value, being able to recognize their faces, and creating stuff with them. I'm making now my DMs in my community are people thanking me that they've made friends because my whole thing was like, yo. It's not about me connecting with y'all. It's about y'all connecting with each other. You know, and and not connecting with each other because you guys are fans of Humble the Poet, because you're not my fans. You guys are lifelong learners just like me. People who love Fusi, it's the spirit of Fusi. It's not who Fusi is. You know, they don't have to, you know, they don't have to love Muffin and Dollar. They just have to love the relationship. And now they can get their own version of Muffin and Dollar. And that might be a ferret or a gerbil or a parrot. You feel what I'm saying? When pe- people love Aaron, and it's, it's not gonna be just about who Aaron is specifically, and they're not gonna just sit in a room together and just talk about how much they love Aaron. They're gonna have other things in common. People who love my stuff are gonna love to read. People who love my stuff are gonna love my brand of, of humor. They're gonna love the same movies that I love. Creating these communities, these smaller communities, they're never gonna be massive, but not only do they work, is you can work on projects. So, so back in 2014, uh, I only that was only when Facebook was, was a thing back in 2013, and I was just sharing ideas, and it was the community that was like, "Yo, you should write a book," and I was like, "I don't know how to write a book." That was my reply to the comment, and then somebody sent me a link how to self-publish a book. Then somebody sent me videos how to how to use Adobe InDesign, and they're just like, "Yo, we'll help you," like a commu- a real community. Like this is what a, a community is not a population of people, you know. There is no. There's no longer a community of Punjabis, a community of Palestinians. No, that's just a bunch of people who have something in common. A community is people who are interacting with each other. And we don't have that on social media. Maybe some people are arguing in your comment section, but that doesn't make them a community. A community is when they're able to interact with each other. When I self-published that book, I go, I don't have money. Somebody showed me uh, Indiegogo, which is the same thing like Kickstarter. 305 people gave me money, and I raised 26 grand. The, The number... The largest contribution I got was $1,500 from a Harvard professor who I had never met in my life. I remember when I got the email <laughs> somebody gave you $1,500. I emailed him immediately saying, Did you press another zero by mistake? Wow. <laughs> and he was like, No, man, I'm proud of watching an artist take his business into his own hands. And then I eventually went to Cambridge, Massachusetts and visited him, stayed with him and his family. He, he gave me a tour of the university and he showed me in his office um, a, 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 a picture of Andy Warhol. And Andy Warhol said, business is the most interesting type of art. And what he was explaining to me was what I was doing with the community is what he does for a living. So he's the guy when like NASA has a problem and they're like, we can't solve this problem. He has a network of brainiacs, and he'll be like, hey guys, I got 25 grand who can ever solve this equation. And then they all work together, solve the equation, and then they split the money. It's community, working together. If you think about it, we live in a society that encourages the other way. You get rich, how big can you live in an apartment by yourself? How much security can you have isolating yourself from other people? How untouchable can you be? How mysterious can you be? You know? And then we isolate ourselves, we feel lonely, then we gotta do 10 different things to medicate ourselves to feel better. We play these games to get attention and when we're not ourselves, then we gotta do 10 different things to medicate ourselves to feel better. And when I'm going back to my friend in Germany, he doesn't do these things not because he's better, it's because he doesn't have to play the game. And what I'm trying to say is you don't have to abandon all of this, we just have to restructure it. We just have to look at it from a different angle. And personally, I believe the angle is starting from the bottom, Building your community on a platform that you can either own or be in more control of, and offering value, as you said, quality content, and putting them in a position to empower each other and pay attention. So, like right now, you guys are in a situation with, with the Gotta Go Get It podcast where it's like you guys can afford the time to read everybody's feedback and comments and all of this type of stuff because it's there. Right, But maybe in five years from now, when it's superiorly massive and after you guys upload an episode, there's a trillion comments popping off, you guys won't be in that position. It'll, it'll just be way too much noise to pay attention to. Nobody mm-hmm. can. And you guys have all experienced that with YouTube at, when it was at its scale. And I feel like mm-hmm. this is an opportunity to go back to that fun, enjoy it, and build it, and understand that the slower it comes, the slower it goes. If you want it overnight, you're going to lose it overnight. And I feel like these problems, by default, are being solved. Um, And I would also dramatically encourage everybody, and this is straight technical shit, y'all need to start learning about the blockchain. The blockchain is the new revolution for this stuff too. Because what the blockchain is, to try to put it simple, is the blockchain is taking all information, taking all transactions, taking everything, and putting it on the internet and validating it by code, And then it cannot be altered. So there is a vision where Mm -hmm. Humble the Poet is on the blockchain. And then Humble the Poet goes on Instagram, posts some stuff, gets some likes, gets some followers. All of those follow him to the blockchain. Then Humble the Poet goes on Twitter, and he posts a tweet. And people like it and follow it, whatever, all follows him on the blockchain. Twitter can delete tomorrow. Instagram can delete tomorrow. People can still access you through the blockchain and you're on the internet, and nobody can delete or destroy that, because the blockchain, the way it's designed, it's like when we used to bootleg movies. You never bootleg the movie from one source. You are bootleg little pieces from a whole bunch of different computers. The blockchain will exist on a whole bunch of different computers. Right now, somebody can kill switch Instagram. They can kill switch Twitter. They can't kill switch the blockchain. It's the future. It's gonna take time to understand it, but that's a situation where you're now able to build a community that nobody has the power to take away from. The blockchain is the first tool in human history where the defender has more power than the attacker. And that's something that's super interesting. So it's less about Bitcoin and how much this stuff is worth and it's more about the spirit behind it. And the spirit behind it is, yo, let's let's work on this stuff. And there's no algorithms. So it's something that's interesting to look at. So what I'm trying to say is we know where this is headed Let's mm-hmm. be the solutions to our problems. Yes. So the reason I'm not leaving social media is I'm, I'm making all the decisions I can to reduce my social media use. But as this person explained it to me in terms of my impact, he's like, look, you can only pull so many people off onto your own platform. Do what you have to do here, but make it less of a game for yourself and put less stake in it and don't have a horse in it while you build your other stuff. So that's what I'm doing. And I promise you, bro, like if you guys check out my community, this is not even a plug because I, I only want my community to be my people. Because my mm-hmm. people, I have, kindest, I have the kindest following. Everybody in my, my, in, in my community is super kind, super funny, sarcastic. They get my jokes. <laughs> I, I want it to stay like that. But it's a calm place. And it's a place where people mm-hmm. can make friends with each other. It's a place where people can connect with each other. It's not perfect. You know what I mean? Some people are on there self-promoting. Some people are on there you know, trying to raise money on GoFundMe pages for stuff that we can't verify. And I'm not asking for it to be perfect. I'm just asking for it to be better than what it is now. So that's what I'm trying to let people know. And this isn't something that is, is any different for anybody. You know, social media was the wild, wild west. You know, they were paying people ridiculous amounts of money to post for brand deals and this is that. And now it's just getting more sharp. It's getting more specific. People are realizing that those weren't the best investments. And from that standpoint, if you start focusing on what your thing is, you know, there's still going to be businesses and companies that want to mess with you for that. And I know that for a fact cuz even for me when I had to you know when my book went major we hired influencers. But I didn't hire influencers with a lot of followers. I hired influencers who read books and who had a community who read books. And like you're going to use them instead of trying to find a pretty girl who had a million followers.
0: <laughs> uh what was the URL for that again?
2: slash community I'm signing up tonight. Yeah, we'll put just, that in the just description. check it out. Yo, you guys will have fun. And yeah, then I can help no, no, you guys get no, I'm get signing fun. up tonight.
1: I need a safe space. But um, Humble, not to cut you off, um, but for the sake of time and what I want you to be a part of on the podcast, because I definitely want you to be here for a part three, do you mind if I take this part to our final segment of the podcast and ask something that people have been begging us to ask for? Um, And just end it there? Of course. Okay. So when we brought up the topic of Asian hate happening in America, we got a lot of comments that said, why are you so willing to talk about the Asian hate crimes when we've been begging you to speak about the farmer situation in India? And my response to that was, I'll be 100% blunt. We're all ignorant to the situation and don't know enough to speak on it. Now, that's not an excuse because I know I have Google on my phone and I could have took five minutes to Google and learn about it. But now with you being on here, and I know you have used your voice and your platform to talk about this, can you take a minute to educate us on the situation going on and raise awareness on the topic not only to our viewers but also to us so we can understand it moving forward?
2: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, thank you for for even holding space for for me to talk about that. Um, And and I'll try my best to tie it into even what's happening, you know, with Asian hate and, and, and those crimes. So long story short, more than half of all workers in India work in agriculture. They work on a farm in some way, shape, or form. And pretty much in the middle of the pandemic, without consulting any of the big farmer unions, uh, as as quickly and aggressively as possible, the the current administration in India passed three laws that are uh, you know you can look them up on Google, but they're heavily in favor of corporations. So it's kind of like corporations t- coming in and um, having more power over how the farmers sell their stuff, uh, how much stuff they can they can uh, hoard, and um, what prices they can set. Um, these you know it's kind of like Uber coming in and taking over the taxi. You feel what I'm saying, like. It's coming in and, and it was a gra- you know, Uber came in gradually. This was a law that was passed very quickly in the middle of a pandemic, um, I guess hoping that it was gonna go under the radar. Um, the guy in charge out there, um, you know, and I'm not saying his name, uh, he wasn't allowed in America when President Bush was in charge because he had so many human rights violations. He he was only allowed back in America when he became Prime Minister. So he you know he he was known to to not really respect humans and human life. Um, a year prior to this, he had done a lot of work to strip citizenship or make it more difficult for citizenship to happen for anybody who was Muslim in India. Um, and student groups protested, and India's largest democracy in the world, and his response. You know, democracies are allowed to protest. His response was extremely violent. Um, so the writing was on the wall that if the farmers protested, it would be the same situation. Farmers began protesting in September, and uh, a lot of police brutality, a lot of uh, human rights violations, and the the farm protests continued to grow, and more and more states got involved. Uh, and at one point, there was a general strike, which involved... Um, a representation of about 250 million people, which made it the largest human protest ever. Um, they, uh, the farmers are fighting to get these laws repealed, um, and the government's response is cutting off the internet, cutting off access to water, um, and then when that happened, that's when CNN, that's when Rihanna, Greta, Thun, uh, Greta Thunberg, uh, Suzanne Somers uh, um, uh, and, and a couple of other really famous, you know, non-Indian celebrities got involved realizing that like, hey, this is a democracy. Why aren't you guys letting do with this? Uh, so it's just a combination of, uh, you know, pro-corporate laws impacting almost half the country's workers, um, them standing up for it and then being met with violence, uh, being called terrorists Um and because the state controls the media. So it's one of those situations.
1: So the farmers that have been running the agriculture for years and years and years, because, you know, you said uh, I forgot the percentage exactly that you said over half, ha- over half. And all workers have been in doing India this work for years yeah. and 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 praised for it and helped. And, you know, obviously, like, you know, took care of many, many, many people are now not only being stripped of their, their jobs and their titles as farmers, but are now being labeled as terrorists and getting met with violence?
2: Yeah, and that's a, that's a playbook you hear around the world. You know what I mean? Like anybody who decides to fight for their uh, autonomy or anybody who starts to stand up for their rights, you know, is, is often called a terrorist. Um, the situation with the farmers, the easiest way to put it is the laws are designed for these farmers to get turned into farm workers. So pretty much, you know, currently these farmers own their land. They work on their land. They sell their crops. This is going to put them in debt. Um, before these laws were passed, um, one farmer was already committing suicide every, uh, I believe, three to four hours in India for the past ten years because they were going into debt. When I mean debt, I'm talking about these farmers are committing suicide for what we would be it would be about two thousand American, because they would like go into debt, rent equipment to find sources of water for their farms. Where's that water? A lot of that water has been rerouted to these major corporations, whether it's Coca-Cola, whether it's something else, because water is a resource, and these resources have been taken away. So they would go into debt trying to find new resources. They don't find the resources. They can't pay the debt, which, again, would be in the thousands in in U.S. dollars, and then they commit suicide. Because for some of them, to pay back $2,000 U.S. would take 99 years. So this was already happening, and then these new laws were passed to make it even more difficult. In the long run, it's the same thing. The long run was going to turn these guys from independent farm owners to farm workers, because eventually these corporations were going to come in, take over their land, you know, put them, squeeze them out with debt, take over their land and be like, okay, you used to own this, but now you guys owe us this much money. So they saw the writing was on the wall, and what they did was they began protesting. And since September... The protests have only grown and they're outside the border of, of the major city, which is Delhi. And um, at the end of the day, within the country, there's no media showing the human rights violations. There's no media talking about the police brutality. There's no media talking about the lack of access to water, the lack of access to internet. You know, These are things that should exist. And, and this is very similar to you know the previous administration in the United States. What, what were they doing? To, to create this condition for, for these attacks on, on the um, on the East Asian community, right? Calling it the Kung Flu, you know, calling it the China virus, right? You're creating these conditions where you're pointing fingers. You know, the, the, the number one, the Spanish flu in 1918 killed 1% of the planet. Do you guys know where the Spanish wow. flu started? No.
1: Mm-mm.
2: Kansas. Hmm. Why is it called the Spanish flu? It's information warfare.
1: Wow. My question is, have any of the protests and any of the voices from celebrities and all these people chiming in, has it done anything? Or is this something that they're going to get away with as an administration in India?
2: Well, the administration in India, their track record, they don't give a fuck. So they'll just do whatever they do. However, I feel like with, uh, you know, again, Amanda Kearney, Mia Khalifa, Greta Thunberg, Rihanna, with them speaking about it and putting an international spotlight on it, it's made it more difficult for that administration to, to violate human rights. And they had but to do answer. they?
1: But how, wh- wh- who, are they, who are they getting answered to? Who's telling them, yo, you can't do this, what you're doing is wrong? Well, it's, is it's, it's just
2: the eyeballs, right? Because at the end of the day, it's not about, you know, you, if, if you have international news organizations on the ground now covering this, Right, you can't. You, they, they can beat up a local. So they were arresting local journalists, you know, local journalists who were covering this on their iPhones. They were arresting them, putting them in jail. Um, uh, local activists, they were arresting them, putting them in jail. Greta, so for example, Greta Thunberg shared a PDF which just had um, signs, you know, like print these out if you want to protest. Right? They figured out who made that PDF, that package, and they put her in jail. She was, a, she was a climate activist, and they put her in jail and they beat her, and, and, and these are things that happen regularly in India. Um, so the hope is when you get international attention, you have international eyes watching, they can't get away with that stuff, because now if somebody from CNN or somebody from NBC goes out to India to cover this, they can't get beat up by the police, because that, that'll be a whole situation. Um, It's a challenge because, you know, as I said, the state runs the media there. And also the problem with that is it's like, again, whoever controls the story controls the audience. You know, when that last president. Who
1: who has the power? Like, what are we like? What is it going to take for this to be stopped and overturned? Is there a possibility?
2: Personally. And just growing up, in and in I grew up in a space of activism, and, and I respect that everybody has different political beliefs, and I never try to convert people to my political beliefs. But my personal rule of thumb is always with the people. I'm always with the people. I don't. I don't. I don't. I get. I get that. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and I'm I, already. And I'll, I'll explain something. I'm, I'm always with the people. Okay. So at the end of the day, human history has shown when enough people care about a situation, problem, uh-huh. things get changed. Right. How much is enough people? That's always left to, to different situations. We saw that with Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter started in 2013. Black Lives Matter got popular in 2020, right? And after the George Floyd situation, there was definitely a nudge in the consciousness of people. Somebody before mm-hmm. might have never been racist, but they were never exposed to the idea of being anti-racist. So just because they weren't racist, they weren't standing up for, standing up to people who were being racist. After after George Floyd and, and the Black Lives Matter movement in twenty twenty, even though it was seven years after they formed, you know there are people. You know there's documented cases of people getting racist tattoos removed. Uh, you know uh, books on anti racism going up. There's a nudge, right? So right now the Supreme Court has delayed the laws by eighteen months, and and the idea is they probably delay them. People are going to stop paying attention. Then they're going to shove them through. Um, mm. Personally, I think what needs to happen is. This needs to shed enough light on the people who are currently in charge and have them voted out. And also just kind of recognize that, look, this stuff happens everywhere. Like, you go to the grocery store and you buy fruits and you see those little stickers on your bananas. Most of those companies, they're not good companies. You know, they've gone into some local country, whether it's Panama, whether it's, you know, Honduras, and they've taken over small farmers' lands to, to grow all these. And at the very least... And and this is something that's happening also in America. Certain jobs become obsolete, but we have to create spaces for new jobs to happen. And the problem in India specifically is if you don't want these farmers being entrepreneurs no more, put them in a situation, like teach them how to code. Find them other places and, and make this happen slowly over five years, six years, seven years. Don't shove it down everybody's throat immediately. And you're only doing this because the people who are, the majority of people who are working in these places, especially the ownership, are. They're minorities in your eyes, right? And 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 it, and it and it runs into a whole deeper conversation about you know far right idea ideology and stuff like that. So my personal belief is, as the people persist, as the world is watching, the government's going to have to make some more concessions. The government's going to have to figure out a way to do it. The people just have to be in there for the long haul. Uh, and I'm working with organizations who are also looking behind the scenes at protecting people because it's kind of like what happened on January 6th with the Capitol. Capital riots, like they're watching all the footage, they're finding all the people, they're putting them all in jail. That's gonna happen in India, but they're gonna find the people, they're gonna look at the footage, find the people, and they're gonna put them in a hole. So I'm working working with communities and and charities and organizations that are protecting these people and and lawyering, getting them lawyers and and, and getting them protected. Because once these guys all go back home, there are people that have been out there living in makeshift communities for six, seven months. You know, once they go back home, whether they have a victory or not, they're still gonna be in danger. And that's an important thing for them to remember. So I, I'm always looking at it when enough people care about any issue, change happens. Change doesn't happen overnight. It's not like the movies. It's not a revolution. It's just a little nudge in the right direction. And what I'm hoping is people understand that this isn't a farmers in India issue. A, mm-hmm. all the food that all of us eat comes from a farmer. Farmers feed all of us. Every Just because you get it from a grocery store, that came from a farm. This is about the people who feed us, not only is it about that, this is also about workers, the working class people, the people who go to work every single day, the people who don't have investments in stocks, the people who aren't on Bitcoin, these are the people that have to work, trade their time every single day in their labor to make a living, and it's about every single day them getting crushed because big companies can afford to pay politicians to change the laws in their benefit. This same idea is happening in America. It's called Citizens United. And you'll never hear any of the presidents. It doesn't matter which president in the last 15 years. They Some of them, it's the promise. Citizens United is a policy that allows a corporation to donate unlimited amount of money to a political party. So if you're, you know, name the company, they're allowed to give a billion dollars to the guy running for president. They're allowed to give a billion dollars to everybody running for president. So it doesn't even matter who wins. Everybody works for them. That's a law that needs to get repealed because now they're more important than that local working class person who could only give 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. And this same idea, and it's not capitalism, it's corporatism. It's corporations controlling everything. Corporations are more powerful than governments now. And it's something to think about. And it doesn't matter who, what political party you're a part of. It doesn't matter who you voted for in the election. None of them are doing anything about it. None of them are doing anything about this. And that needs to change, because as long as that happens, then profits will always be more important than people. And, you know, I, I'm fortunate to, to, to live in a country that kind of has outlawed it, you know, and people are still finding ways to, to have loopholes for that. But it's, it's, it's very difficult, when you know, to watch, because it makes a smaller group of people super rich, and then everybody else gets left behind. And it sucks. It, it completely sucks. And This is what's happening in India right now is just another chapter in that story.
0: I can't believe I didn't know that this was going on. But I do have one question. Um, What can I do? And I'm sure a lot of our listeners and viewers are wondering, is there anything that we can do like to help like any different websites or anything that we can do to like lend a hand or just do anything? What what I can
2: do is like there's there's various various websites depending on how people want to help. and what I'll do is send y'all that and y'all can share it in the, in, in the notes of, for the podcast 100%. and in the comments. Um, but also, like, there is value when, like, people, you know, who don't have a stake in the outcomes share about it. Like, it was a big deal when Rihanna tweeted about it because Rihanna's not from India. You know, she doesn't look like the farmers. So, obviously, we all care about, you know, we all, you know, and so for a, a wonderful example is um, in, in May, which is Asian Heritage Month in America, uh, I think Canada as well. I, I've been working with a couple of artists, one Japanese and one Chinese artist, on a song called Making the Band. And in that song, we're talking about, you know, 100, 150 years of Asian involvement in the North Americas and the history of it. You know, from the internment camps where they locked Japanese people up during the war to, you know, bringing Chinese people over and making them work on the railroads for a dollar a day and then, you know, trying to send them back when the work was done, um, you know, to what was what's being done to anybody that looks like me after 9-11 you know what i mean like being not even being muslim and experience a lot of islamophobia uh and and racism from different different stages and 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 just making sure people are aware of it so things can get better because at the end of the day you don't you're not necessarily going to change somebody's mind but you can change the environment so the next generation doesn't grow up thinking about this stuff So, I mean, anybody, you know, sharing about this, talking about this, and I get it, especially I'm not that guy who will ever make any influencer feel bad for not posting about a social issue because the challenges in the world are never ending. You know, you can post about climate change, post about this, post about that.
1: I, for the sake of time, have two final closing statements, one being a question. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, we haven't even scratched the surface of what there is to talk to you about. At all. And I'm going to need you back for a part three, four. I think you're going to be the most recurring guest we have on this podcast.
0: Unless you start your own podcast. I'd listen if you did. You know what? Saying.
2: I don't know when it's coming out. I did start one. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, saw, right. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know when this is coming out next week. Yeah, mine's not going to drop until like probably May, April, uh, May or June.
1: Okay. Well, I have two closing statements. Mm. One being a question. Yeah. So me being ignorant to it at first Mm -hmm. and now hearing about it and wanting to use my voice Mm -hmm. for um, the cause, would the, and I know you said it's a bigger issue than just the farmers in India and you explained that, but in this circumstance with the farmers in India, would the correct verbiage be, I stand with farmers?
2: Yeah, I stand with farmers is a good one. That's a good one to use.
1: That's all? That's all I have to say?
2: Yeah, I stand with farmers or farmers protest? And the interesting thing is because if you use a farmers protest hashtag, you'll also start finding about farmers protesting in Germany and other places around the world. Because, again, as I said, the story's not changing,
1: which my second question and my final question for this podcast. I'm sorry that I got to cut it, guys. Um, I'm going to. OK, because I want to. Not because anybody's telling me to not because you're telling me to or anything, because by hearing about that, I want to. And I've always used my voice for activism. There have been times in the past where I've stood up for certain situations, regardless of if I was in the right or wrong, got bashed by the other side. When I do speak out on this and say I stand with farmers, is there going to be another side that comes at me? Yes. Which is usually along the lines of you're not educated on the situation. You're getting brainwashed. You're only hearing one side of the story. Yes. Is that going to happen?
2: One thousand percent. Okay. One thousand percent. As I said, you know, there's all, all the media in that country, major mainstream media is controlled by the state. Not on some conspiracy theory. Like that's that's just how it is over there. Like it's controlled by the state. You know, we mm-hmm. in the United States. You're going to find news. You know, you'll have your CNN and you will have your Fox News. And, you know, depending on who's in charge, what you know, one bigs them up one you know tears them down they don't have that over there they don't everybody is on the side of the government the government runs the show there and you know that's a lot of places in the world so a lot of people are being shared narratives and stories saying hey you don't understand the laws you haven't read the laws these laws are here to help the farmers um you know this is not even affecting all the farmers this is only affecting these farmers these people aren't even farmers who are protesting. These are people that were hired. They're actually separatists that want to be separate from India. They're terrorists. They're doing this, you know. Um, and then as well as this, you know, the police have done some really uh, wickedly clever things. Like they'll have roadblocks, and then they'll 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 funnel people into places that they shouldn't be. You know, and this is no different than when you saw it during the Black Lives Matter uh, demonstrations, police leaving bricks. On the middle of the streets, they want to create chaos, right? And then you catch you catch somebody doing the wrong thing on camera once, so you'll definitely get a lot of people um, who will look at it from that standpoint. And at the end of the day, as I said, this is this is greater than just the farmers. It's a human rights issue. This is the world's largest democracy. This is not the, all democracies um, guarantee humans the right to, to, to peaceful protest. And what these guys are saying, and you'll see it when you, when you post it in the comments, is like, these, these aren't, you know, it's divide and conquer. And I think people need to understand this. No matter what country you're in, if you think there's an us and a them, you know, we, everybody loses. Division is only valuable to people who want to profit or people who want to control us. So that's why this is about, for me, I look at it as the people, the working class people, and the people that feed us more so than any team that I'm on. And, and as I said, like, you know, I make music as well. If y'all want to look at my stuff, I've been, I've been rapping about Palestine since 2010. I've been rapping about Somalia. I've been rapping about, you know, I started my hip-hop career as an activist. All I rapped about was social issues. And it was always the same thing because the playbook is the same. The playbook to control people is always the same around the world. And uh, I appreciate you doing that with your platform, man. It, it'll, be, it'll be amazing to see.
1: Well, I plan on doing it right after this. But as a start, I'd like to say my name is Yusuf Salaharakat, and I stand with farmers. And I'm on the right side of the farmers' protest.
0: I stand with farmers, too. Yeah, we stand with farmers. We got to get it stands with farmers.
2: Appreciate y'all, man. Appreciate y'all.
1: Humble, it's been a pleasure. It's been more helpful as an individual, more than you know, outside of this just being a podcast where viewers are going to listen to. I've gained a lot from this. I have a lot to go home and think about right now. As you can see in my shift of energy, there's a lot going on in my mind and a lot of questions and answers I'm going circulating around my head right now. So I personally want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for your wisdom. I want to just thank you for being you, and um, I truly appreciate you as a friend. I truly appreciate you as a person, and um, I thank you for being here again with us today, and I can't wait to have you on again. You know well, he covered everything. <laughs>
2: Yo, I want to thank you guys. This, you, guys are, you guys are doing a dope job. And at the same time, as I said earlier in the podcast, like seriously, you guys set a bar for, for adult friendship. You know what I mean? In terms of ad, mm-hmm. me meeting new people and having friends as an adult, not people I have like history with as, as, as children and stuff like that. And it wasn't mm-hmm. until I had to come back here because of the pandemic that I, that I realized I was like, damn, I was, I was around people who just wanted to be around me for me. And nothing else and um you know i, I really authentically appreciate you guys for that and, and irrespective of the different phases everybody goes through in their life i've, I've taken nothing but love and, and beautiful energy from all of you guys irrespective of what you guys were going through in your own personal lives whether you guys were having ups and downs so i want you all to know that and and for everybody listening i haven't spent a lot of time with jp But he's beautiful energy, too. But I'm telling you, what you see is what you hear and what you see is what you get with these guys. These are dope people. And please tell your friends about this podcast. Um, Uh And also, if your friends don't know how to listen to podcasts, show your friends how to listen to this podcast, um, because these guys are doing it for the right reasons. And I'm excited to see where it goes. All
1: right, man. Love, Love you, bro. you so much, brother. Much um, before we end this, you got to do something with us because we didn't do it at the end of episode <laughs> one. Yes. There's a little, there's a little delay, so I think you're gonna be saying it a second after us, which is gonna be kind of tricky. We're gonna say "Gotta get it, gotta get it, gotta get it, gotta get it" at the same time, but right. there's gonna be a little delay, so we're gonna see how it's gonna go. <laughs> let's let's I get it. think there's a way to beat the delay. I think we can. We'll do a three, two, one. And but then, at one, he starts. Yeah. Right. After we say one, wait one second, then say. It. Let's just try that, okay? Oh,
2: I'm waiting. I'm waiting.
1: You're waiting. Same so thing. No. So at
2: one, you start. So three and then two. We'll start. Gotta get it. Gotta get it. Gotta get. Wait. How Yo, do you? We'll have...
1: wait for him to start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You start it off. Ready?
2: Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. How, how do you do it? <laughs> what's the what's the intonation? Do you doing it?
1: No, you gotta learn that. You gotta just you try feel it. Feel best.
2: it. Ready? All right. Three. Three, two, one. Gotta get it. Gotta got get, get it. it. Gotta get it. Gotta get it. Gotta got get it. He just said it ten times. That, that, <laughs> that, that, that was the that was only point in this entire podcast where I got nervous. <laughs> <laughs> jeste-